You're listening to Q&A Over Coffee. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for obtaining accounting, tax, or financial advice from a professional accountant. How are the kids, Megan? Everybody healthy? So far. There's a lot of stuff flying around right now. We just got through like three weeks of pink eye. Oh, (laughs) So that's funny because the um, client that I went to lunch with today, um, the CFO had called me this morning. He's like, hey, I hate to do this, but I can't make lunch. He's like, the rest of my team's going to be there. But he's like, I woke up this morning with pink eye. And he goes, just after, like, I thought we were in the clear. <laughs> I'm like, darn those kids, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it was really going around. And well, like, I made it through. Yeah. <laughs> but Adrian went down really hard with it. Oh, no. And it was like not to pick on you but it was equivalent to like the man cold yeah and like he literally made me text my neighbor who's a physician assistant <laughs> to ask if he needs to go into urgent care i'm like just put the drops in your eyes like, yeah you're right. gonna be okay stop being a wuss like you'll be good <laughs> after like, 24 I hours i don't know <laughs> wait hold on what's the man cold the man cold is like a simple cold that's like exaggerated times 10 <laughs> there's right? nothing so... worse val than a man cold yeah now, I don't know how to for the that. record, I've never had the man cold in nine out of ten times. Like, if I am out, I am done. Like, it's legit. Like, I don't touch me, don't come near me. Whatever I have is probably contagious, but there are some people that will, like, yeah, exaggerate it. That's the man cold. The man cold. Good to know. You've had the man cold many times, probably never even knew you had it. Welcome to Q&A Over Coffee. I'm your host for this episode, Valerie Arndt. We're going to be talking about employee retention credits. Join in the room here today with your familiar co-host, Adam Hennan. Hello, everybody. And our guest, Megan Kep. Hi, Megan. Hello. Um, Megan, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your role here at Olson Zealand? Yeah. So I am a principal um, at Olson Zealand. I've been with the firm 10 years. I actually, though, if you kind of add up some combined tenure, um, it's been about 15 years. I did do a one-year stint in, in private industry. And within the firm, um, I work in, in two specialized areas. I co-lead our employee benefit plan practice area, which comprises of um, 401k, ERISA audits, um, all plans that are subject to, you know, that 5,500 filing as well as uh, co-leading our business accounting solutions group. So providing that consulting service for clients on outsourced accounting and payroll and other matters. And during the COVID pandemic credits, um, kind of flurry that was going on, um, I was the one who stepped in to kind of lead the charge here for the employee retention credits for the firm. Yeah, well, we're glad to have you on here talking about the employee retention credits with us. So a little bit of background first, you know, what are the credits? Kind of how did they get started and during that COVID time period and, and what's their purpose? Yeah, great question. Um, so the employee retention credit or ERTC, which is an acronym that is used quite frequently uh, with this credit, is a refundable payroll tax credit for businesses and tax exempt organizations that had employees and were impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, ERTC in and of itself has had some interesting history as it was first introduced in legislation in March of 2020. 
um, with the intent at that time to incentivize employers to keep their employees on on payroll. As you know, if we think back to COVID and the pandemic, there was just a lot of uncertainty with employers during that time. And and the biggest thing is they wanted to make sure that um, they were providing these employers the resources they need to keep employees on on payroll. Um, at the time that this was passed, there was actually a complete prohibition about applying for PPP in ERTC. So when this legislation came out, um, many employers disregarded it at the time because everybody was going the PPP route. Um, so it just wasn't a hot topic um, until, until recently. And actually that was when in December of 2020, the credit was extended into 2021, and it also removed that complete prohibition on the PPP and ERTC interplay. Um, so this opened up the program to several more employers, and that's it has caused um, a lot of attention. And then, you know, throughout 2021, there's just been so many modifications to this program, and has caused, you know, some confusion. So you know, what we're talking about today is I think where is ERTC today? And and one of the interesting things is um, in 2023, the IRS has actually received more ERTC claims um, than was what was applied for during the pandemic. And so that's why there's been so much focus on the program is because a lot of this funding is now, you know, two, two years past the end of COVID-19. Yeah, I remember that. You know, we were doing the Q&A over coffee podcast kind of in a live format right and it was all ppp loan was the focus right and then you know even after that first round of ppp loan went through it spun to the second round of ppp loans and ertc just kind of kept getting kicked to the wayside it was never really a topic for us and we maybe had a topic on it or you know a, a session where we covered it but it was definitely ppp loan focused and yeah here we are almost what four years after and there's still people who are going back now to claim the ERTC credit. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When you think about it, it it's really funny on, on how that all worked out because, you know, PPP came out and there was a, a flurry of everybody applying for that PPP money and all of us were all on hands on deck consulting clients on that. And over to the side was this ERTC program. Fast forward to 2023, who, who would have thought we were having the conversations that we are today about that program? Yeah, so I think many people know already, but can you just tell me a little bit more about who is eligible for these tax credits and who isn't, right? Yeah, yeah. So eligibility for ERTC um, is actually a pretty incredibly complex as there are separate eligibility provisions based on the time period you're applying for. So there is a separate eligibility period for 2020 and a separate eligibility period for, for 2021. So to at a high level, to qualify for the 2020 period, you must have experienced a decline in gross receipts of at least 50% when you compared that calendar quarter of 2020 to the same calendar quarter of 2019. Or there's a different way you can qualify, which is a, there had to have been a government order in place that resulted in a fully or partially suspended operations that had more than a nominal impact to your business. For 2021, the government order test remained the same. However, the more than or the 50% decline in revenue measurement um, changed to 
And for 2021, it's still comparing to that 2019 data, but you only had to have a 20% reduction in gross receipts. Now, there's some other eligibility requirements as well. Um, you know, looking at the number of full-time employees that you had in 2020 and 2021, the type of employer, because there are some employers that are ineligible, such as household or government agencies. Um, there's also some special provisions for recovery startup businesses, as well as like other COVID programs outside of PPP um, that do impact wages that are eligible for that ERTC credit. Well, Megan, there's something special though about quarter one of 2021, right? It measures differently than the rest of the 2021 quarters. Can you talk about that one a little bit? Because I think that one, I know like if I've done calculations for clients, and I'm sure clients do the same thing, they kind of run that test themselves and say, well, we never had a decline. And all of a sudden, they send it to us anyway. And we do, and we say, no, you do qualify for Q1 of 2021. So maybe touch on that for a bit. Yeah. And I think what you're, you're highlighting there is this alternative election period, which was a special provision that the IRS came out with um, just applicable for, for 2021. Um, and what it allows you to do is if you didn't, if you compared, let's say, Q1 of 21 to Q1 of 2019, and then you didn't have that 20% reduction, it allows you to look to the immediate preceding quarter, which in that case, in the example Adam was referencing, you would look to Q4 of 2020 um, compared to that Q4 of 2019 to see if you have that 20% reduction. And if you did, then you can use that preceding quarter as your measurement period. Yeah, I, I, we've had a lot, you know, of clients that we've processed this ERTC for where we picked that quarter up and that was never expected, at least on their part, until we get into it. So it is, a, you know, kind of t speaking a little bit to what you were saying, it's a, it's not a si straightforward, simple calculation, right? There's a little bit more complexity to it. So you got to know what you're doing and when you're looking at it. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of moving parts to this credit. Some of the vague, the language sounds a little vague too, right? Like with the government order, how do you define what's more than nominal? Yeah, so the IRS has came out with some guidance about what they define as more than nominal. It's it's generally this ten percent threshold, and what they're looking for is um, a, if you had a component of your your business that was impacted by a government order, you know, did that have more than a ten? Did that component of business um, comprise more of 10% of your, of your total business, whether that was revenue or hours? A good example that the, the IRS has, has used is, is, is grocery stores. Mm -hmm. I think we can all, you know, grocery stores were impacted in some way. Um, you know, if you think about the salad bars and the example that they used was like with a grocery store changing their operations to, to remove their salad bar could an argument be made that the salad bar had a more than nominal impact on their business? And the IRS came out and said, like, in that example, no. So it's 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 facts and circumstances and making sure that you're doing that analysis that whatever component of your business was impacted by a government order um, had more than a nominal impact. Yeah, and, you know, there's you're right about that, right? There's a lot of it that's subject to interpretation, and, and this is maybe um, leading into we'll, we'll go – down the road here and, and the scammers, but there's a lot of misinterpretation over how my business was impacted. And, you know, especially around supply chain, as it was, you know, a lot of people said, well, my vet, you know, I wasn't necessarily directed in, directly impacted, but my, my vendors were, they were on a list, right? And so therefore, you know, because they supply me, I'm also impacted. And I think that's a very loose interpretation of 
were you impacted by you know the COVID period at all, and was your business impacted? And um, you can talk about that now, but we can we can certainly jump into that later too. But what you're saying is there's a lot of interpretation into some of this. Yeah, yeah, and I think you're highlighting on you know if we were once we transitioned to talking kind of to more of of these scammers and, and fraudulent claims, it's it's this government order piece that has really um, caused a lot of the confusion and thereby a lot of the opportunity, I think, for these scammers out there. Um, the gross receipts test, right? That's a very line in the sand. All of us accountants can kind of quantify that and it's easy for, for clients to determine that. The government order piece um, is facts and circumstances. However, the IRS has been pretty clear since the start of this program that a government order is a true government order. So state, local, city government order um, that either temporarily or partially suspended operations. And so for like businesses here in the state of Minnesota, I think of the executive orders that come in, that came into play during COVID, um, you know, those that were limiting restaurants from offering indoor dining service for a significant portion of time, very clear executive order that you, you could tie that to. Um, unfortunately, I think there was some groups and interpretations that, you know, to Adam's point, where supply chain was considered, the IRS though has came out now and, and really closed that opportunity of, of the supply chain matter. Um, and then some other angles that, you know, that people were exploring was, you know, OSHA guidance or, you know, the CDC guidance and the stay-at-home orders. But the IRS did have some language out there that, you know, stay-at-home orders also didn't qualify. And if you had, there was also guidance at the time, too, that if you had the ability to telework or change the way you were doing business, that, that also factors into this determination as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we, we already mentioned it, so let's just go ahead and dive into it. Um, we know there's a lot of scammers out there. Um, how do these scams work? How do they get people? What do people need to be aware of? Yeah, so this started getting a lot of attention, um, I would say, in for sure in 2020. And then it was just exponential um, throughout 2023 up until the IRS had put their moratorium. Um and what what was happening out there was just very aggressive marketing to businesses related to the ERTC. And a lot of these ERTC companies were were you know not coincidental, but were established um, as a result of COVID for the sole purpose of processing these credits. And how these businesses operate are very are uh, commission contingency based. And so they are getting paid as a percentage of, of the credit. And I've seen from, from clients that have contacted me um, because they've been aggressively marketed to commissions somewhere between 15 to 30% of the ERTC credit, which is quite sizable because some of the businesses that are qualifying for this, you know, some are getting credits north of a million dollars. So potential commissions for these entities are you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And unfortunately, there is just this inherent conflict of interest in those type of arrangements. And, you know, when clients are and businesses are getting bombarded um, just, just to apply for the credit, you know, some of these marketing campaigns was, 
you know, every business qualifies, immediate eligibility. If you were impacted, you get this credit. And I kind of have to laugh a little tongue in cheek too, because um, as my role in the firm, you know, I'm leading this ERTC for, for the firm and I'm getting phone calls gotcha. three times a day, text messages, you know, call me, we could immediate eligibility. Um, and then, you know, I think all of us can kind of chuckle and laugh too. We've, we've seen the TV ads during, you know, all the NFL games, the NHL, NHL games, the radio advertisements. Um, so some very, very bold marketing that took place in, in 2022 and 2023. Yeah. It was frustrating too. I mean, we would, um, talk with our clients about you know we brand you through the test and you just don't qualify and then they would get a letter in the mail and then they would be like well you know they think I do are you sure I don't so we would walk through it again and it wouldn't be much more than another month and there would be another letter in the mail or they would get a phone call you know just can you check again like you know so you know it's it's hard when you're as a professional giving advice on a, a credit uh, whether or not you qualify or you don't qualify but then you're getting sort of um not proven wrong, but but somebody else is conflicting, right? Giving a conflicting right. statement over whether or not they qualify, and it's sort of calling into judgment your expertise on the matter. And um, yes, yeah, you know, hopefully, what we see coming out of this is some of these scamming companies getting penalized, and and that hopefully that makes the headlines as well. Yeah, yeah, and you know, Adam, I think you're hitting it right on. As practitioners, this was a, a challenging space to be in because. You know, our clients are getting those same phone calls and messaging and aggressive marketing. And, you know, they want us to check, double check, triple check, you know, the, the credit. And there's significant dollars that, that are on the table. And, you know, obviously, we're looking at this from the best interest of the client. We are prohibited from taking those contingency or commission fees. So we're coming at it at a completely unbiased opinion and approach. Um, and then competing with somebody who's, you know, promising them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, without looking at anything. <laughs> immediate immediate qualification. So say you're unfortunate enough to to go with one of these scammers and you submit your claim. Like, what are the consequences um, from the IRS for doing that? Yeah, yeah. So what's going on right now um, is the IRS, uh, as of, you know, the fall of this year, has put on a complete moratorium on processing ERTC claims. So anything that was kind of caught um, in that submission process is, is just completely on hold. So the IRS isn't approving um, any ERTC claims until after the first of the year. Um, if you were caught in, in that submission and the IRS hasn't processed your claim yet, um, you can easily withdraw your claim. And the IRS has came out with some guidance about how you go about, go about um, withdrawing your claim. And the IRS has actually put out some really good resources for businesses on, on you know, everything that we're talking about here and what to look for with these scammers and, and you know, if you got caught up into it, how to get, get back out of it. But right now, if you haven't received a check and you haven't deposited the check, it, it's as easy as you submit another amended 941X, you write withdraw on it, you write your name on it, and no harm, no foul. Um, Penalty free. As of, as of right now, now there could be the potential, there's always a potential, you know, the IRS will say if, if you went into it with the attention of committing fraud, there's always that out there. So I'm not saying that anybody, you know, in radio space was, was doing that, but that's, that's always the potential. Um, you know, if let's say 
your ERTC claim was subject to audit and, and the IRS was challenging it, there is the risk of, of penalties and interest. Um, those can range from 20% for accuracy-related penalties, you know, to the 75% that we just talked about for fraudulent claims. They they also published, if and correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they publish uh, like a hot list of scamming companies that they know to be scamming companies? <laughs> and one of those uh, where you can kind of look at, you know, if they prepared or if they helped you with your credit, you might might help raise a flag to say maybe I should take a closer look at this or have someone else take a closer look at this. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was specifically the IRS, but I did see an article along the way that had business you know, ERTC-specific business names, names referenced, and all this information's out there, yeah. you know. Um, a quick Google, there's some really good good articles out, out there. But what the IRS did do is, you know, this has made their their dirty dozen list. Um, so they're, they're obviously looking at it and, and taking it very seriously, hence, hence the moratorium and, and everything else that they're working for for businesses. You know, right now... The IRS is under the challenge of there's a lot of claims out there that were paid, and I think there's a potential that there was a lot of claims that were paid erroneously. And so they're trying to balance that as well as with being, you know, supporting the taxpayer as well. What if you had um, submitted a legitimate claim that you know is legitimate, your accountant knows it's legitimate, but it's caught up in this moratorium time. So what's the advice for someone um, who's waiting on that, that check? Yeah, I would say be patient. Unfortunately, there's not much you can do. The IRS isn't isn't processing any of those. So, you know, calling to find out your status in the queue, is it's probably not going to be helpful at this point. And once the moratorium is lifted, you know, understand that there is going to be at least four months of backlog that the IRS has to sift through. So I've been telling clients who, um, you know, have a legitimate claim, that we feel are entitled to that ERTC, just just be very patient. And I would anticipate that some of these may take eight to 12 months to turn around. Yeah, and it should be noted too, I think that, you know, if you are having those conversations with your CPA and you know you qualify for the ERTC credit, there's nothing stopping you from sending that in, you know, during this moratorium period. It just is going to prolong the payment, right? I mean, uh, you just have to be patient on getting the, the money back. But you can certainly apply for the credit during this time. Yeah, absolutely. Our team is still working through um, some some credits, some that we we submitted to the IRS. And again, it's just it's just being really transparent with the client that that's that's going to take some time for that check to come through. So, what is the process? You know, if we you know for for clients out there that are listening that maybe haven't contacted us and we haven't contacted them about filing for an ERTC, like what is the process? What's the first step that they should take? you know, in, in engaging their CPA or, or us as a CPA to help them out with this credit? Yeah, I think the first step is, you know, reaching out to your your advisor, um, you know, whether that's us or, you know, your your other CPA and having that conversation with them, you know, of do I qualify? Ha- have you guys considered it? Have you looked at it? And, and from there, it really goes into what I call a scoping phase. So, you know, if if you if you come if you're with OCLN, what we would do is we would take a look at first your your quarterly revenues, um, taking a look to see if we can find that decline in revenue, looking at that alternative election period, 
And if if you don't qualify from there, having the conversation about the government orders. Now there, you know, there are some industries that we have worked with that tend to fall into that government order, and we're we're very familiar, and we have those executive orders already pulled. So that that's something too based on industry, we might be able to qualify you based on that. Um, and then after that, start is starting to gather all the information we need to prepare it. It's, it's payroll information. It's it's taking a look at your PPP forgiveness and your forgiveness period because you know even though um, the prohibition on that PPP and ERTC was lifted, there's still no double dipping. So if you used wages for your PPP forgiveness, we can't use those wages for ERTC. You know, and there's also the interplay of like the restaurant revitalization fund. There's no double dipping there e- either. So it's just taking all of those um, back patterns together to to come up with what the credit is. Now, with um, kind of going back a little bit here, and companies that maybe file the claim that they know to be wrong, or maybe they didn't qualify for, um, there's more than just you know the IRS maybe taking a look at this credit and saying, hey, you filed for this and you shouldn't have. There's sort of an income tax side of this too, right? Um, and do you want to touch on that at all? or? Yeah, yeah. So um, from a professional standards perspective, you know, the, the tax accountants, too, have been looking at this very, very seriously because once a business applies for the ERTC and they, they get the credit, they technically have to file amended tax returns for the period that the ERTC applies for. So if you got ERTC for 2020, you need to amend your 2020 income tax return to um, reduce the wages that you're taking as a deduction. And there's been a lot of conversation um, in the profession and, and with professional liability companies as well is that by CPAs amending those tax returns, knowing that the claim is not legitimate, there's there's some exposure there. So just know too that if you have a CPA who's telling you that you they will not amend your corporate tax return because they don't believe in the merit of your ERTC, I would take that advice pretty seriously. Yeah, that's a I mean that's them staking their reputation and their practice against this, right? And that's that should not go unnoticed. Correct. Right? Correct. Yes. Any other words of wisdom you want to offer to our listeners as far as uh, the ERTC? how to proceed right now, where do they go with questions? Yeah, I would say, you know, words of wisdom that I have right now is if you haven't been out to the IRS's ERTC site, take a moment to pop out there. The IRS has published a lot of really good guidance for, for taxpayers. Like I said, they have some some videos out there. They have um, what to watch for um, when contracting with an ERTC company to process your claim. They have an expanded FAQ um, related to the qualifications and those government orders. And like I said, they address things like the supply chain and the OSHA guidance and and all these different things that we were talking about. So I think that would be worthwhile for businesses to go check out. Um, And then the other thing is it's just patience, patience with the process. You know, this, like I said, unfortunately, there's some businesses you know, who truly, truly do qualify for the ERTC and are going to kind of get stuck in this the swirl that we're in um, because there were some some bad actors out there. Um, and I, I would say, too, also also watch the news coming out. There's There's been some interesting headlines about the IRS and the position that they're taking. 
um, the last article I read from the IRS that they announced that they're rejecting 20,000 ERTC returns and they sent out denial letters over this past week on the basis of that either these businesses were never in existence during the time period that they claimed the ERTC or they never even had employees on on payroll during this period. So I thought that was kind of shocking that 20,000 of those were were in the queue. So again, back to the, like what I said, there's some good businesses in there that qualify for this ERTC that are stuck in that 20,000 returns that are just completely fraudulent. And then um, for people who haven't applied for it, but maybe, you know, thinking back, maybe think they have uh, a cause to apply for, what what's the deadline? Like, how long does this go for? Yeah, so that's a great, great topic. Um, so there is a statute of limitations to apply for the ERTC. The 2020 statute is actually coming up here. Um, you have until April 15th of 24. So if you think you qualify for 2020, that's the time period that you're going to be wanting to focus on because that's about four months from now. Um, that one's going to sunset. And then that that period for claiming the credit completely closes after that point. Um, and then the 2021 claims is going to be April 15th of 25. Yeah, if you're interested in any of these, you want more information, um, just take a look there. And also we'll include Megan's contact information for um, her expertise from the Olson Thielen side. Absolutely. One last question for me, Megan. Uh, so what's in your cup? Yeah, so right now what's in my cup is is coffee. <laughs> um, time to recaffeinate, but on a personal level, it's it's December. It's a it's a crazy it's a crazy holiday season with with young kids and trying to get all that taken care of. And just a few like last nice days to actually get out, maybe see the sun a little bit yet without freezing your face. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's forty six degrees today. It was a day where really it's... nice outside. Yes. Quite impressive for December, or I don't know if it's climate change is impressive, but you know. <laughs> Anyways, we wish uh, all of our listeners here a very happy holidays and a happy, healthy, and productive new year ahead. Sounds great. Well, thank you both. Thank you so much, Megan. Check out all of our Q&A over coffee episodes on the Olson Thielen website. This is also the place you can go to be notified of any new episodes and submit your suggestions for future topics. You can also find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon. Be sure to follow Olson Thielen on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.